to nighttime for Ninala. This is Liana, and you're very likely to hear Judas do something weird in the background. Tonight, we'll be listening to readings from A Short History of Decay by Emil Choron. In the Graveyard of Definitions Are we entitled to imagine a mind exclaiming, Everything is purposeless to me now, for I have given the definitions of all things. And if we could imagine such a mind, how locate it within duration? What surrounds us we endure better for giving it a name and moving on. But to embrace a thing by a definition, however arbitrary, and all the more serious, the more arbitrary it is, since the soul then overtakes knowledge, is to reject that thing and to render it insipid and superfluous, to annihilate it. The idle, empty mind, which joins the world only by the grace of sleep, can practice only by extending the name of, of things, by emptying them and substituting formulas for them. Then, it maneuvers over their debris. No more sensation, nothing but memories. Under each formula lies a corpse. Being and object alike die under the pretext they have occasioned. This is the mind's frivolous, funereal debauch. And this mind has squandered itself in what it has named and circumscribed. Infatuated by syllables, it loathed the mystery of heavy silences and turned them light and pure. And it too has become light and pure, indeed, lightened and purified of everything. The vice of defining has made it a gracious assassin and a discreet victim. This is how the stain soul spread over the mind has been removed. The only thing which reminded it that it was alive. Civilization and frivolity. How could we bear the weight and sheer depth of works and masterpieces if to their texture certain impertinent and delicious minds had not added the fringes of subtle scorn and ready ironies? And how could we endure the codes, the customs, the paragraphs of the heart which inertia and propriety have superimposed upon the futile and intelligent vices 
if it were not for those playful beings whose refinement put them at once at the apex and in the margin of society. We must be thankful to the civilizations which have not taken an overdose of seriousness, which have played with values and taken their pleasures in begetting and destroying them. Who knows, outside of the Greek and French civilizations, a more lucidly facetious proof of the elegant nothingness of things. The age of Alcibiades and the 18th century in France are two sources of consolation. While it is only at their final stages, at the dissolution of a whole system of behavior and belief, that the other civilizations could enjoy that lively exercise which lends a flavor of futility to life. It was in full ripeness, in full possession of their powers and of the future that these two epochs knew the tedium heedless of everything and permeable to everything. What better symbol than that of Madame Dufont, old, blind, and perspicacious, who even while exacerbating life, nothing less. We're going to try that one again. symbol than that of Madame Dufont, old, blind, and perspicacious, who even while exacerbating life, nonetheless relished to the last of its every amenity of gall. Fuck me, man. <laughs> achieves frivolity straight off. It is a privilege and an art. It is the pursuit of the superficial by those who, having discerned the impossibility of any certitude, have conceived a disgust for such things. It is the escape far from one abyss or another, which being by nature bottomless can lead nowhere. There remain nonetheless the appearances. Why not raise them to the level of a style? Thereby, we define every intelligent period. Thereby, we find more prestige in expression than in the soul which supports it, in grace than in intuition. Emotion itself becomes polite. The human being delivered to himself without any partiality for elegance is a monster. He finds only dark regions there where terror and negation imminent prowl. To know by all one's vitality that one will die and to be unable to conceal it is an act of barbarism. Any sincere philosophy renounces the claims of civilization whose function consists in shifting our secrets and disguising them as rechanché effects. Thus, frivolity is the most effective antidote to the disease of being what one is. By frivolity, 
we abuse the world and dissimulate the impropriety of our depths. Without its artifices, how could we help blushing to have a soul? Our skin-deep solitude, what an inferno for other people. But it is always for them, and sometimes for ourselves, that we invent our appearances. Dissolving into God. The mind, scrupulous of its distinct essence, is threatened at every turn by the thing it rejects. Often abandoning attention, the greatest of its privileges, such a mind yields to the temptations it has sought to escape, or becomes the prey of impure mysteries. Who has not known these fears, those dizzy spells, those deliriums? which bring us back to the beast, back to the last problems. Our knees tremble but do not bend. Our hands clutch without clasping each other. Our eyes look up and see nothing. We preserve that vertical pride which strengthens its courage, that horror of gestures which saves us from spectacle, and the sucker of eyelids to veil an absurdly ineffable gaze. Our collapse is imminent, but not inevitable. The accident is odd, but scarcely new. Already a smile dawns on the horizon of our terrors. We shall not topple into prayer. For after all, he must not triumph. It is up to our irony to comprise his capital letter. Up to our heart to dissolve the shudders he dispenses. If such a being really exists, if our weaknesses vanquish our resolutions and our depths our deliberations, then why go on thinking? Since our difficulties would be settled, our questions suspended, and our fears allayed, which would be too easy Every absolute, personal or abstract, is a way of avoiding the problems, and not only the problems, but also their root, which is nothing but a panic of the senses. God, a perpendicular fall upon our fear, a salvation landing like a thunderbolt amid our investigations which no hope deceives, the immediate annihilation of our unconsoled and detrimentally inconsolable pride a sidetracking of the individual, the soul on the dole for lack of anxiety. What greater renunciation than faith? True, without it we are committed to an infinity of dead ends, but even when we know that nothing leads us anywhere, that the universe is only a byproduct of our gloom, why should we sacrifice this pleasure of tottering and, our splitting, and of splitting our skulls against heaven and earth. The solutions offered by our ancestral cowardice are the worst desertions of our duty to intellectual decency. 
to be fooled, to live and die duped, is certainly what men do. But there exists a dignity which keeps us from disappearing into God and which transforms all our moments into prayers we shall never offer. Thank you.